Welcome to Best Boys, a film podcast, an amateur film study podcast for the average Joe, the buffest buffs, and the cringest bingers. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my brother, professional Hollywood videographer. Story with a story. Welcome back, everybody. And today we find out on this episode if we are scanned clearly or scanned darkly. We will find out. Uh, yeah, I probably uh, I gotta start uh, doing little bits again because I could have easily done one that's like just like a real paranoid, like talking fast. Hello, well, welcome to Best Boys, a uh, film podcast. Um, they're wa- they're they're watching us. I just keep I just uh, keep re- replaying the, the the part with Alex Jones. Just like I used to be one of you guys, and then they just tase them, knock them out, and drag them away. <laughs> Oh man, such a deserved punishment for that uh, man. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. There's so many wild things that have been uncovered with this with this episode, and uh, I'm glad to to have uh, picked these. Um, I'm glad that we picked these because they're two good ones, and they're two movies that I haven't seen. Um, I've I've wanted to see both of these for a really long time. Um. And, uh, yeah, I'm very, very pleased. These two movies were right up my alley. That's why I just texted Corey. The only thing I said was, wow, this one's right up my alley. <laughs> and then the next one's like, these are both up my alley. Um, so, so keep that in mind, uh, going in that these are some, these are, uh, the, my, my kind of shit. And, um, so we're doing Richard Linklater today, uh, two films. We are doing The Slacker, which is, um, I believe his first feature film. And then we're going to do uh, a scanner darkly, which is uh, a, a film adaptation of the Philip K. Dick novel. Um, so before we get into that, how you doing, Corey? Good. I've been doing good. Busy, very busy. A lot of stress pulling my hair out with work stuff, but nice to take a, a relaxing, non-paranoid, uh, you know, movie session to just get a little paranoid. Uh, yeah, because everybody, you're always being watched. They're always out to get yeah. you. Um, <clears throat> so, phones uh, and stuff. What is your, what is your, you know, experience with the Link Master, Richard Linklater, uh, the Link Dog himself? The honestly, uh, I before we did the episode, I had I've seen Dazed and Confused a bunch just because I feel like I don't know Never if it's because my dad put it on or just we've seen it growing up. On TV young people when i was in like late high school early college people watched it a lot i feel like it was on comedy central it was on comedy central too yeah you're right yeah um so i'd seen that growing up and i remember in high school i watched with dad uh a scanner darkly but i only thing i remembered about it was the opening and just the art style with the the rotoscoped cell shade animation over the film and uh Man, I completely forgot so much about this movie, uh, and it's super fucking good, but we'll get to that. Um, and then just Boyhood, and because uh, a, a lot of the other stuff I didn't realize was him, like School of Rock, we've all seen a million times, I didn't know that was him. Same with the Bad News Bears remake. Uh, but Boyhood was probably the most like, oh, I know the name, Link Later, with this movie. Uh, and that was in college, I think I saw that and have heard and watched nothing since then. Um, yeah, I, almost the same thing. I haven't seen Boyhood yet. I've always said I was going to, and I, like, know what the concept is. 
and and uh, just haven't. But I've obviously yeah seen Dazed and Confused. Um, I have seen the School of Rock. I've seen Bad News Bears, and I think uh, that's it, right? I think uh, so. Yeah, I believe so. That's all I've seen. So the three basic Linklater movies. I've always wanted to see the Before trilogy because they say because uh, it gets hyped up a lot, and uh, and I think it's super interesting uh, the the concept. Um, and I've always wanted to see Slacker because. Uh, it's supposed to be super influential. Um, so, and I've always wanted to see Scanner Darkly because I think the art style is fucking crazy, and uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad that we chose these two today. I said to Corey right before is that if we do him again, we should definitely do the Before trilogy. But I'm glad that we picked these two because um, I feel like most people have seen Days to Confuse before. I feel like a lot of people have seen School of Rock, um, and those are kind of like your your, you know, introduction movies, your mainstream mm. introductions to his style. Um, but you really, now that I've watched, you know, Slacker and Skeeter Darkly, I feel like I really have an idea of of his themes and style and stuff, and I think it's super cool. And I'm glad. So I figure we should start with Slacker, right? Since it's the first one. Yeah. Real side note, I just noticed this as looking through the, uh, the his filmography while you were talking. His mo- upcoming to-be-announced film, Merrily We Roll Along, it says once principal photography begins, filming will continue for the next 20 years. Jeez, when Boyhood's 12 years wasn't long enough. Yeah, he's trying to, yeah, he's going to try to up it. I mean, I get it. it. It's It's so much more real when everybody is aging appropriately in the film and everything, but it's like... Now you're you're locked in for the next twenty years, shooting on the same cameras, lenses, everything. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't just, die. Yeah, hopefully no one dies. Nothing, ha- or I guess that's maybe he's anticipating that. To that's part of the story, um, like to add it in, like it's intentionally made to be twenty years long with the intent that someone's going to die in it. One. Yeah, or maybe he intends himself to die in it. Who knows? I know nothing about this, by the way. I just, yeah, I just that, that, that's interesting. I'm glad you put it up. The, the guy definitely likes to to age, to see people age in in films, and because uh, it feels real. Um, it kind of, and honestly, it makes life kind of seem a little bit shorter um, when you look at it in such a wide scope. Um, I think that's super interesting, uh, but uh, but. Neither of these movies deal with that really, um, and I think that's cool too that he has, that like, even though it's become a defining thing for him now, um, that it, that like the ba- his base movies are really have nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, he just kind of like fell into that as he was going along. So all right, Slacker, Slacker came out in nineteen ninety, correct? 91. Well, that's the thing. I watched this on the Criterion Collection. It said 91, but Wikipedia said 90. So apparently it premiered in Austin locally, you know, like film local mm-hmm. film festival in 19, July 1990, and then it had a wider release uh, in 1991. Well, that um, makes sense. So I think, I think, uh, well, I, mean, I think it's good to keep that in mind because then you know that it was probably filmed in like 89. Um mm-hmm. And uh, which is the year that I was born, coincidentally. Um, so I always kind of really am interested when there's a, a movie from around when we were born because it kind of uh, reminds me of what life was like. And it was different, but in a lot of ways it was the same. 
Yeah, there's so much of that. We'll, uh, we'll touch on later. Um, but uh, yeah, this movie has a freak load of style. Um, it was made on twenty three thousand dollars, um, and grossed a lot more than that, a million and change. Um, so I, you know, that you don't hear like that doesn't happen quite uh, that often. I think with the new indie world the new indie wave, I'm sure. But like 23,000, you just don't, I don't hear about movies getting made. I'm sure even for inflation, that's nothing like still nothing. Right. No, I mean, that's the, uh, clerks, which was came out a couple of years later. So, uh, it was made for 25. It's the same oh yeah. Deal. That's same deal. Same, pretty much same deal. I think this movie but, looks uh, better than clerks. Um, clerks has this a style, the way it looks. But... Yeah. They're on the older black and white film and cameras for clerks. Uh, but the, um, the color of this, yeah, th- th- this looks better though, even though it's older. Um, but there's a lot of style in it. And this movie is credited um, along with apparently um, Sex Lies and Videotape by Steven Soderbergh as kind of kicking off the the indie wave in the 90s. Um and Kevin Smith, actually, that you've mentioned it, um, is says that so he saw Slacker and then he decided to make a movie and made Clerks, um, right? So, and you can really see that. And I brought up, I think, I don't know if it was the beginning of this or if it was before the podcast, but I brought up uh, Noah Baumbach's Kicking and Screaming, um, which is definitely in this vein of movie. I think this there's a lot of DNA with this in the mumblecore uh, movement, which I would love to do an episode on someday if we can stay awake for it. And uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, I think that's really interesting because I really like the style. Um, it's something that I've been drawn to. Um, and though a lot of this movie is just conversations, I think the way uh, the movie is very kinetic and how it sets, it goes from scene to scene. Um, I don't know, Corey, do you want to explain the, uh, like the main gag of the movie. Uh, yeah, it's like a um, every how we transition from scene to scene is just like you you follow one character as he ends like leaves a scene and walks into something else and and they like that person passes by another group of people or joins in with another group of people and then that's our new story and it keeps doing like that so you're never held on with one character for more than like a couple minutes. Um, and it re- the music doesn't really, the movie doesn't really build up to anything. It's really, de- it's like strictly day in the life. Uh, yeah, it is of, like a day in Austin, in Austin, Texas. That's definitely yeah. in this like hipster neighborhood it, uh, of Austin, <laughs> Texas. Um, and just like, and I, and it's not really designated neighborhood. It's just Austin in general, but it really, uh, reminds me of my time living in, um, Bloomfield and Lawrenceville and around the Bloomfield area in, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of like the art, what became the arts area a few years, like five ish years ago and living out there and just like, you know, hanging out with people and, you know, um, talking about politics and talking about art and music and, you know, film. And it's honestly why I'm doing this podcast now. It's why I am as interested in, in talking about this stuff. Um, because 
um, you know, it's kind of what everyone was doing. A lot of people didn't work. A lot of people um, had money from parents or they were going to school or whatever, um, or they were very, very poor. Um, and they're kind of just, you know, talking, working on art, going to shows. You could walk around town in the city, but it was like these neighborhoods there were so many people that you knew. So you could just like walk around town and see somebody, you know, like mm-hmm. even though you're in this big ass city, it made it feel very small. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, like a lot of these people are talking out of their ass and there's, you know, conspiracy nuts and just people with wild ideas and more radical ideas. Um, and, uh, um, you know, more fringe political things. You're going to run into, you know, anarchists and, uh, communists and, and what have you on a pretty regular basis. And I think it really, in the context of today, it really, there's going to be some things I want to talk about, but, uh, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Um, but, but yeah, this movie definitely resonated with me on a personal level of just my time. Like if you wanted to know what it was like living or living, uh, it's not really much different. You just had technology and the internet. So everyone could still talk to each other online, even if we weren't seeing each other in person. So that Mm -hmm. adds a whole nother element, but it's the same kind of idea, um, at its core. Um, but yeah, I love the, I loved the, I love the, the, you know, the transitions because I think that it made like, it, it might've been too, it might've been too boring for some people without that. And until you, oh, you're mm. when the, the scene would end, you'd kind of wonder, you know, if there's multiple people, like, where is it going to go next? Like, who's it going to follow mm-hmm. next? Uh, cause you didn't, it would follow one person. It would follow two people. It would, it was very, um, there wasn't really a consistent flow. And um, sometimes the same person would have multiple scenes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'd have no scene. Like the, you just see them walking down the street and like, oh, what's going to go on with this person? And then it immediately cuts to another person walking. To, uh, it doesn't cut, but like they're walking across and then it follows the other person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really, really liked that because it, it kept you on your toes and it, it felt, um, uh, I gave you, it gave it some, uh, like uh, it was unpredictable. The movie was a little unpredictable, though. It was kind of, uh, you know, it was very chill and minimal, very, very minimal in its, you know, presentation. Otherwise than that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very, um, you know, it's just a talkie. It's, it's all these transitions are just to get us into another scenario of just more, um, you know, just plain folks, a day in the life conversations. This is just supposed to, you know, what I mean, like everything is just uh this reminds me so much of just like and i granted i didn't i didn't live down in in that area but it reminds me more or less from high school where you just ride your bike everywhere around the plaza and meet up with people randomly and just to shoot the shit uh join groups leave groups break off do whatever uh and it was just everyone just sat around and talked and bullshitted versus like feel like now it's so it, it i don't know if it's because of age or technology or what but it just like this felt so uh almost like long ago for me where everything now when people hang out you know half the people are usually on their phones um and the ones who are talking usually are just you know everyone's just talking about the same thing work uh and uh, but i i i think that that still happen like this still happens in these oh i'm sure areas. it does like i think oh like because that's sure. what it's trying to say is like everyone's kind of in the same area and they're all interested in the same uh, things, you know, art, politics, uh, intellectualism, you know, academia, they're yeah. all going to college. They're all or graduated college or in the grad, going to grad school. Um, 
You know, so many people are just trying to just make it doing music. I mean, I, that's a very interesting. Uh, I think it's a valid feeling for you, um, because that's taking you back to a, a, an older time. Um, but yeah. then, like, call people, anyone that's gone to college and kind of interacted with the college campus, um, mm-hmm. it kind of is like this, but it's very different when it's in a city because the yeah. the campus kind of blends in with the actual city itself, which is a way different thing if you go to college in a city. Because, um, yeah, like from house from house to house, you could have students, you could have old people, like, yins, like Yinzers for Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. You could have just different kinds of people, uh, or just like dropouts. You could have people that didn't go to college and just trying to make it as artists, You could or people that are just working. Um, just the diversity and melting pot, but it all kind of like – there's these gradients and areas and um, I don't know. I think it's super, it's captured in a really accurate way. I know it's, there's not, it's not the only movie that re- to like um, kind of uh, touch on these kind of things. Um, I, I keep thinking about kicking and screaming uh, from Noah Baumbach, which I think I like this movie a lot better. Um, but it's a similar kind of idea where that's like a college, it's a bunch of people graduating or, uh, I think, I don't remember if they're graduating, if they're finishing grad school or or they're undergrad and they're just trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And it's just, everybody's sitting around talking and stupid scenes. Days to Confuse, this slacker also feels a lot like a proto Days to Confuse where Days to Confuse is like a seventies high school and this like group, um, an area and like people engaging in, you know, whatever partying and music and, and like what the hate freshman hazing and whatever. It's like trying to capture a, a vibe in a time. And, mm. uh, that this does the exact same thing in a really cool way. Um, and if you were just want to immerse yourself in a world for me, it's something very familiar to me, but like for others, it may, it might be something out of the ordinary. Um, uh, and even just reminds me of me and like me and Riss, my partner, or uh, me and friends. Even now, um, we probably do this shit online, like you said. Like we probably do it in a Discord chat, but we're just you know sitting around, uh, s- smoking or or what have you, um, and talking mm-hmm. about art and talking about video games or talking about uh, movies, talking about politics, current events, shit. Um, yeah, the one about the, the voting turnout, I was like, God, I literally had this conversation with people before or, um, or even the conspiracy stuff. Um, because this is a ton of conspiracy people in the movie as well. Like mixed throughout. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when you're going to have a lot of people engaging in fringe politics, you're also going to have conspiracy people in there. And Mm -hmm. you just have, that's kind of like a microcosm of, of the internet now. Because all of those people have access to uh, social media and just, you know, that guy who follows you from your friend's house to home and talks to you about a million conspiracies is on the internet just constantly drawn about that shit all day. And there's a ton of people like that. Um and they're all gathered together and it becomes a really loud voice. And and then I think it, it kind of it's harder to ignore when it's everywhere um, versus mm-hmm. when it's just the guy following you home. And he's like obviously crazy and you see him for what he is in person versus like a yeah. the facade of behind, the, you know, uh, just a, a screen name or something. Yeah, um, someone that, trying to sound smart online. That's the biggest differences that I kept thinking about in this movie is like I think that. 
<coughs> excuse me, the um, politics and uh, and the conspiracy stuff, and that has all been amplified since this time. And I think it's much more, I wouldn't say mainstream, but yeah, much more closer to the mainstream than it, than it was then. Um, it's accessible. It's way it's more accessible, uh, and in a way that is um, created, so it makes it feel like you're not part of a small thing. It makes it, everything feels like the, vo- the you know like the vocal minority. Everything feels way bigger than it actually is. And when you get into that online, you know it just it it's easy to trick uh, somebody who doesn't you know isn't privy to that kind of stuff. Um, I, I would feel- say. I mean that's. Yeah, I Sorry. absolutely agree with you. No, I absolutely agree with you. I just was, I'm compelled to like just, it's hard to talk about this movie because it's not really, it has no plot. It's just a vibe. So I can yeah. just, yeah, really oh, 100%. Just, I, I just said really... that last night. <laughs> I was, ta- I was just, uh, I was talking, Mike John came over last night and John had seen this movie and we were talking about it. We were telling Kylie about it. And, uh, uh, and I was just like, yeah, the movie, it's just all talking. It's just a vibe. Like, it's just the entire movie is just vibes. <laughs> It, but it's uh, entertain. It's done in an entertaining way, and I think that's what makes it special. Because this easily mm-hmm. could have been much more boring and much like it's fun, and it could have been a little more flat. It could have been a little more serious, or or something. I, you know, a little bit yeah, drier. I, I will say though that I I was super into the first like half, and then after the JFK conspiracy stuff, I almost fell asleep after that like next 20 oh minutes God. and then oh my then God. the la- the last 30 minutes i was like reeled back in um it just because there's no sound there's no music or anything it's just talking and it's just like it's very like uh asmr at times yeah. because of that and mm-hmm. uh that just you know that just gets me it just gets super rela- but like i'm into it because it's so relaxing uh and i'm into everything they're saying Man, the GFK, just, uh, uh, that's what i want we should probably do next is touch on the specific uh, scenes that stood out. We don't have to go through every single one, but let's start with the JFK one because that um all the same shit. It's just like you walk into a bookstore and then this guy is gonna berate you with how the election was stolen for like a, you know for twenty minutes straight, and then he's gonna mm-hmm. like tell you about all these other things, all these send you all these links and YouTube videos or whatever, and he can tell you he's working on his book. You know, it's like the exact same thing. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, man, that guy is obnoxious, so obnoxious and just couldn't take the hint. Um, it just, it see, there's so many scenes that were like, sometimes they were a little silly, but most of them are very, very like, wow, I've seen this happen or I've experienced mm-hmm. this in some way and felt very, uh, relatable. Um, for yeah, sure. this, this movie showed that everyone in Austin apparently has unlimited patience but also the disregard to uh, leave a friend being talked at by a stranger. There's so many times whenever like a random person comes up to like a, a, a what you would assume is a couple like at the bar talking or whatever, yeah. and then the one dude just starts like talking at the girl, and the 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 dude that the girl's with is like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go." Yeah, and yeah just the, the thing at the end <laughs> that happened at the end. Um, it happens. Uh, there's like su- similar things like that throughout the movie where it's uh, that bar one is at the end, but there's things like that throughout where it's just like, "All right, I'm just gonna." Abandon this person I'm with, and uh, they're fucked. And I'm gonna. Well, go it's like they're not. They, it reveals that they didn't actually like come here together or something, and the guy yeah, like, yeah. about to split up or something. And um, that's what I I think I have an idea of what the scene the the scene is, and then at the end they'll split up, and I'm like, oh, okay. That, yeah. that, I've left with that feeling multiple times. 
Yeah, you're literally showing up to each scene right before that group of people is about to split. Um, just so we can, you know, keep splintering the story deeper into into the Austin mythos. Uh, yes. Mythos. Um, what? So, what were your favorite? What were your favorite scenes? I loved in the beginning the dude who ran his, over his own mom and then just went around the block to park at his own house. Goes inside and then just starts like putting on the projector and everything. I just was the whole time I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Because uh, it was just so funny and ridiculous. Uh, and and then the people outside with the mom are just like, uh, like should we call an ambulance? No one seems to really care. The ladies just uh, the one dude's hitting on the lady jogger, giving him yeah, hit, giving yeah. Her hard. The scene like, just kept like evolving, <laughs> getting weirder and weirder. Like the guy tried to hit and, on the jogger, and then the jogger hands the card of the guy to some other person. Like, to, hey, can you call that guy? uh or something yeah. and then runs away yeah oh man yeah because that's like the the scene that ends like richard linklater's whole bus i should have stayed at the bus stop thing that was the opening um, yeah the intro yeah yeah um, um I, I really like that scene though uh it might be my favorite but i really i did like the jfk scene a lot i thought that was cool because when he leaves that the the library there's a big ron paul libertarian for president like a truck outside uh yeah there's there's digs at libertarians at multiple points in the movie yeah Um, the dude who pretended to fight in this french spanish war thing and or thing of barcelona uh, it's like going off about anarchy and and communism and shit um yeah yeah um oh there was like a line later about like libertarianism is just like self-interested uh, like self-interested people or selfish people or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, that was that old guy. It was so good. Um, it was so on the nose for just like not even just libertarianism, but just like modern day like conservatism, which is just like rights for me, none for thee. Like they, everyone just cares about themselves. They only care about issues until it affects them. You know what I mean? And uh, uh my favorite and- scene is the uh the paps the Madonna pap smear. Which is supposedly <laughs> the the most infamous scene of the movie. It's on the po like the the poster that of Slacker yeah. has that character on it, um, and they are trying to sell. Uh, oh yeah, so they're just like sh- there's we're we're just watching listening to a conversation between this guy who's pretty sounds like a fucking bum, uh, sounds like a fucking loser. It just like yeah. walks into this room and is like, "Can I have this room?" Uh, and they're like, "Yeah, whatever." So like the guy who was in the room before just left randomly. That's the one thing about this movie is you can you can accidentally keep going backwards. Like where you, like oh yeah, this guy came from here and this is how it mm. opened. And then you could talk about the scene before that, and then you could keep going backwards, kind of, which is fun. Um, but yeah, that guy is a uh, kind of a fucking loser, and he invites. It's like walking with this girl, and he invites her to his show or something like that. And then the um, ultimate losers is their band name. And then uh, a person walks up and is just like, "Hey," uh, starts telling a story about like the mur- this murder suicide chase with the cops. And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Hey, do you want to buy uh, Madonna's pap smear?" <laughs> and uh, it just and like opens up this jar and like makes them like look at it. And like I'm like worried about it splashing. It's like so disgusting to me what it actually whose actual pap smear this is. And then it's like, and the guy just got done saying how he's completely fucking broke. And he's like, I don't yeah. have any money. Um, uh, I don't know. That was my favorite. That was a really good one. I forgot about that one too. But it's another uh, scene of just infinite patience by these Aust- Austonians, Austin, 
Palestinians. Because uh, like I feel like in the modern in the modern age, so you just be like fuck off, get out of here, and walk away. But this, uh, everything in this movie just lets everyone have their say their piece, and then be like, yeah, no, I'm cool. And uh, you and are right. Goes, that is true. Like nobody's just like fuck off, weirdo. Ever. They yeah, never everyone has once. Uh, everyone is allowed to talk. Everyone is allowed to say what they have to say to completion, and then it goes. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You're right. I guess. In, this whole movie is just like no one, no one that they show in this movie, other than the arcade guy, is working. Uh, you know, there. So this is everybody on a day off, or that none of them work and have jobs. So it's just like uh, you've got all the time in the world to just listen and hear people out. But it also this seems like this was also a product of the time when like uh, people got a lot of like like learning and knowledge just from talking and shit to each other, kind of like how we do now. But instead of Facebook links, it's just you know, actually saying shit. So I feel like maybe people just listened a lot more back then. Um, you know, and everyone wasn't in the, we weren't all rigged for dopamine, instant gratification of knowledge and news and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, the, there is a layer of that where, like, the, they're reading the newspaper, like, they're talking to each other about things that are going on, you know, because it's faster than... Uh, than looking, you know, you're not getting on your phone even quicker. Like we all know about the same shit now, so we don't need to tell each other about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Oh. Oh. I wanted to say about the Pap smear person that uh they uh their name is their name is Teresa Taylor and they are from uh I believe she is from uh the band Butthole Surfers. She's the drummer. <laughs> And uh, I'm 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 a big fan of some songs of theirs. Uh, a long time indie uh, rock band. And uh, but yeah, there, there's uh, I, the the some scenes that stand out to me is the like jo- the jobless guy who's coming from his dad's funeral and he just like bums off of everyone he walks into and is just indignant to them, like that bald guy. The which uh, I'm trying to think, which ball guy? The he's like on, he's wearing a suit, and then like he's these guys pick him up. They get oh, you talking about the, a beer, the and then he gets a cigarette, and then they interview. Yeah, him. yeah, 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 yeah. And then he gets the lighter from the arcade guy. Yeah, the uh, uh, um, yeah, his whole thing on the news thing was fucking wild. Um, and also just yeah, they pick this guy up and the, like randomly at the junkyard. He's like, "Can I get a ride?" Yeah, get the back. And they, another thing that just wouldn't really happen today that, that um, i don't think that would happen today yeah uh so so many just interesting characters on this stuff i um i definitely would rewatch this to kind of re-get everything especially now knowing that i'm i'm in for you know an hour and 40 minutes of talking it didn't feel That's long to me about. at all like i i really felt both I, of these movies i thought were like they were like over before I thought they were going to be done. Like, uh, which is really a good sign. Yeah, both. Yeah, they both felt faster than the times. My, for me, it uh, it, f- it felt long right when it got to that last section where it's music only and it's just like the people going up the mountain. And that then was I like, at the time, that was literally oh, this, only a yeah. few. That was only a couple minutes. I mean, it's from the yeah. That's what I mean. Like I didn't check the time and I was like, all right, this is starting to feel long. And I check it. And it's like, oh, we're at the end, so this is fine. Um. um Slide for my slight bout with sleep in the middle, but yeah, I think that it's uh, for this kind of idea. I don't think you could really do any longer. Uh, but mm. I thought it, I didn't really it didn't wear on me in any way. Um, 
Um, yeah, sure. I mean, so there's multiple scenes with conspiracy people. I keep thinking about the guy who, um, is trying to rob this old man who apparently is like some, an anarchist and is just like, yeah. you can take whatever you want. And, and then they end up being friends. Oh, but the, uh, also the TV set, the TV, the guy oh, that with a bunch sick. of TVs honestly mm. reminded me of myself when I had a bunch of screens in my room at the same time. Um, when I was living in the city, I just like had... I had two or three TVs in my room and my, my computer setup was like three monitors and I would put shit, different shit on them all the time and just have it play all day. Um, it's pretty much exactly like that guy. Um, um, but what he said in that scene that really stuck with me though, is, uh, uh, you know, I see uh, things are more impactful on TV than they are in real life. When I see things on real life, I feel like I didn't see them. I can't change the contrast. I can't adjust the hue. I saw this guy fall out of a thing right in front of me with a knife in his back, but the blood didn't look like the right color because he's tar- like he's so sensitized or he's so used to it. Uh, Looking how it looks on TV, yeah, it's more real life to what uh, than actual real life. So he has that disconnect of what's actually real and how yeah, he's like, yes. you can't stop and analyze every little bit. I can't rewind if I miss something. Like, it's just like real life sucks. TV is every, is, is in infinite knowledge. And it was just like, ah, my God, that's so fucking nuts. Especially as somebody who like, it works in film and is obsessed with all like, you know, filming things. And, and it's very video drone. It's very video drone. Um, yeah, a lot like, of wild concepts. Like, though. Yes, yes. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Is there any others that stand out to you? Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. There's so, there's just it's one of those things where it's like so many that when someone pip like picks a uh, one out, bam! I remember the entire thing because um, it just doesn't really like it stops, but it goes at the same time. That yeah, sense. it really it doesn't really like it keeps flowing. Like even though there's slower scenes. It just doesn't stop moving, um, which I think is what makes it so effective with the style. Like, if, mm-hmm. if you want to make a, a, a talkie, this is a way to make it, you know, entertaining still so to visual, like kinetically and visually. Um, I mean, we can. I mean, we can. You know, we can wrap it up on this. Trying to think, I'm going through like the different things. Like the guy talking about being on the moon since the '50s was funny. Oh, that, that's the guy who follows the. the yeah, one that's man the guy who follows the guy home. Um, uh, with the million conspiracies. Uh, you know, one thing that was interesting was a lot of his conspiracies were about the environment, um, and in like the ozone and, uh, yeah, and oh, how so that, much global warming stuff. Yeah, but it was brand new. We just learned about the ozone layer being eaten away when we like right around when we were born, like. So, um, it was brand new and it was a big deal to everybody, to everybody. And then it became politicized and about, you know, um, climate, it became about climate change, but it used to be framed around like we're destroying the ozone layer and it's getting, uh, hotter. There was like the scene with the couple that were inside, they're like cuddling inside and they got the guy, got the newspaper and was smoking a cigarette. And she's like, we should go to the lake and swim. And he's like, man, no, it's not, we have to have like, uh, um, uh, sunscreen and, and whatever. And it's like premeditated fun. He's like, the sun's ultraviolet rays are so oppressive. And, uh, like, cause I guess it used <laughs> I to not be that. like that. Uh, they're they, yeah. he's like referring to it, not being like that before. Um, and I don't know. I thought that was super interesting. Um, because we, it's always been like that for us. 
and it's kind of just been an ex- become an accepted thing. Um, Riss, my partner, brought up uh, that you hear people complain about having to wear, um, you know, sunscreen or whatever today, but they don't realize that it actually has to do with climate change <laughs> um, and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. But that was interesting. Yeah, the the line that he says where it's uh they say scientists say we got a hundred years left. Fuck that! I think we got twenty to thirty, and it's like yeah, because that's actually happening. We accelerated way quicker. Uh, we beat every estimate that uh they originally had for us every year. We're we're accelerating exponentially. That's ah, it's just so nuts. It's just like something so old because this shot was most likely shot in eighty nine. And it's just so on the pulse of still what's 30 years later, 40 years later, what's like a massive issue. Yep. Yep. And has not made any progress one way or the other. Very little, very little. Um, yeah, yeah, this, this, that's why I think, yeah, this movie is super relevant. It's relevant to today. It's relevant, um, the discourse and it's just like the way people used to have discourse and there's not a lot of conservative other than the libertarian stuff there's not a lot of conservative voice in this i would say the one guy oh my god the scene that had me rolling my eyes is the girl and the guy walking down the street they're going to a date they're gonna go see a movie and the girl is like she gives money to a homeless man and the guy goes on this long ass oh, yeah. political like speech about how it is actually morally wrong to give him money and or it's pointless and th- I remember people used to say this kind of shit when we were younger mm-hmm. um and just kind of v- almost libertarian uh like uh Ayn Rand kind of philosophy and you're just talking about how much smarter than he was than her and she put him in his fucking place and I thought it was really good cuz that I see that shit still happen today yeah, it's uh, I don't know. This movie also kind of made me sad in the aspect of like, I really kind of it it really I, I somebody who like left social media a couple years ago and still like I'm trying like I still haven't really officially come back as much as I try. Uh, man, does it just make me miss like just normal like life pre social media pre like where we as much as I love technology as well. Where before we hit certain technological advances, where it, I kind of miss the simpleness of the of this time. Uh, but like you could have that. Like that's the thing. It's just to the, a point. You've, yeah, you've chosen. The, you've chosen to not live that life. Like that's what I'm trying to say earlier. It's like it's not like you have to go back to when you were a child. It's just you have to you know hang out with friends and live in a community with a lot and make a lot of friends in your community and like people in your but community you still have- you're interested in the thing that you are into yeah um cuz like this is how it was like there is like i like the the community just didn't stop in person it had like everyone was constantly doing shit the shows and you know everyone's promoting the things that they're putting on and blah blah, blah and there's parties and getting whatever's and uh um and like the bars there's tons of bars all around the area that people meet up at um and uh it's just like it's and now that we're older than that i think now that we're in our 30s i think it's not as easy to do but we definitely had a window where we could have experienced this yeah it's kind of sad i still kind of think that it it, it still wouldn't be as much of the same even from like i mean i'm telling you, you it was as if someone no no i'm saying like it. No, I know, but I'm saying I'm not um what I'm trying to say is like uh like 
how still people interact with each other in person uh in the, the like so like social media obsessed world is still different than even this where you weren't uh like you're saying stuff nowadays with the confidence of you know thousands of internet people telling you things behind your back versus then it's just all people you know only uh or like people you talk to in person and stuff and so it's yeah like, but as people are still and on like people are still popular and like the people that follow you are usually mo a lot of them are from your local area you know like it's just the same people like that's why it's not like you're i don't know you're looking at like the global followers but like this is like a, a scene you know like if you're yeah, yeah. popular get- it feels the same it doesn't really feel that much different um like if you're popular in a city's music scene um or if you're like but most of these I people don't, aren't I don't mean just, it like, like people like up and coming um or do not up and coming but these people are just regular joes and they all probably follow each other if if this was today they'd all just follow each other and interact uh online you know uh, but at the same time um i don't know i mean like i it definitely wouldn't be 100% the same you're not like you're not wrong but I think there's way I more. I think there's way more overlap than you give credit for, because you don't. No, like not... I, like there's definitely that. Like obviously, like even because John lived on Lawrenceville and Kevin was there, and I hang out there still. But like I see that, but still, they don't interact but I'm, I'm... in the they don't interact in the arts and DIY communities, like the music, the scene, the arts scene. No, but I, I, that's what I'm talking in... about, though. No, I know, but I'm not talking about from a popularity standpoint. I'm talking about, like how I'm actual, not either like, anymore. Um, well, I know, but you just did a whole thing about it. The, what I'm trying to get to is just like the inherently people, uh, uh, interact with each other differently because of things like social media and stuff. That's, that's all I'm trying to get at. Like, it wouldn't be, it still wouldn't be like, I'm, I miss just like fucking all we knew is who we knew. Does that make sense? And that's what I love so much about this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a quantification of things, you know, popularity. And I know you're not still talking about it, but that's what it is. Like, that's all the, like you're talking about the confidence of having numbers behind you. And like, that's, no, I don't mean numbers behind you. I mean, like you, like you get on an, let's say you get on a Reddit echo chamber thing and you think that everyone is thinking the same as you, that kind of like spewing. Yeah, but you, you're, you're regularly interacting with the world around you that, you know, and honestly, everyone in these neighborhoods, like a lot of them think a pretty set, like none of them are regular Democrats or, or Republicans. They're all fringe stuff. It's the same thing. Like, you know what the people that live around you believe because you're into the same kinds of things. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, really yeah, about but... the internet. Uh, it's the same. I don't know. It's it's more the same, I, even even then. Um, like, it's like you go to Reddit and talk about ideas for sure online, and that's got a whole other aspect to it. Um, but, uh, but, like, the people are still talking about the same shit with the people around them like they they're walking down the street to go to the show because the show's only a couple blocks away because they live in the area and and uh and they're gonna talk to the people on the way and they and like we just when you gauge with the people in your neighborhood and when the people in the neighborhood are a lot like you um or there's a lot of people like you but there's still like that diversity at the same time i don't know it's hard it, it's hard to describe but this movie nails it it's because it's how it is. Um, there is a whole another aspect, though. And I, you are right. You are 100% right. 
there is another layer to it now, but I'm just saying that core is still pretty much the same. The purity is, I guess, what I'm, I miss. Yeah, I I, yeah, is, I, there is. A, I mean, there is a, a. You're right, but I still think there. It is more. It is more pure. It is more like this than one realizes if you go if you're in the right kind of um, place. Um, but all right, um, I don't know what. How do we want to move from here? Do we have anything else in particular we want to touch on with Slacker? Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, from a cinematography standpoint, you know, it's, it's pretty much like that early nineties, late eighties style of shooting. Um, but everything's done in a nice, like, uh, there's not a lot of cuts. It's mostly just long takes and pans and things. Occasionally you get like a, the fade to black for a time skip. Um, but I don't think that only happens like twice, maybe three times. It's um, very minimal. I, I mean, yeah. it's very minimal. I think that's why it, you, that's what you want. And I think that's, it yeah. works for what it's trying to do. Um, um, no, I think, I mean, if you don't have any notes, then we should, uh, we should just wrap, we should wrap it up then. Um, yeah. What that was a great movie it? though. Uh, I, I think I'm going to give it a four. That's what I'm going to give it to. Um, yeah, liked it a lot. Liked it a lot. I, I mean, like, it's constrained by, you know, like, it's a bunch of non-actors or, uh, and it's, it is what it is, but, and I think that it puts a, a lower ceiling on it, but it, it's executed, you know, to the best, uh, to the highest level. And that still makes it a great, great film. And I can see why it's really, really um influential i i mean i could even see people scoring it higher i could see people scoring it lower but yeah four i think that's why i give it a four because i could see it i could totally see somebody from like our like the current age who if they're not in like into with this or whatever finding it very boring but like if you know what you're getting into and like what the kind of movie it's supposed to be like i think this is great i think a24 fans would like would love this yes so like that's like it, it just if you're a modern you know regular movie goer then yeah you're not gonna like it but if you're into indie films this is mm-hmm. you're gonna see a lot of the DNA and the stuff that you like um, that's well, that's what I would how would I differentiate it mm-hmm. um all right yeah, all right um let's uh, all right let's move on to scanner this one. Is and not I'm not saying this to, in a bad way, but this one's a lot more fun. I uh, it I don't I, I don't know I don't I think I had a I think, fucking ride I, with this movie. This movie is fun. This movie is fun, but it's dark, paranoid, like fun. It's like a bad trip. It's, it's like yeah, fun. but it's, it's like a it's like a trip. Still. It is literally like a trip because mm. it is fun, but it is bad and and dark at the same time. Um, I um, forgot how funny, like how much comedy this was. Cause at the time when I saw this, I was just more amazed with the, like the look and the aesthetic. And I thought it was a lot more serious, but it's like, and it is serious, but it is, yeah, uh, I would not, I would not call it a comedy at all. Um, I mean, it's, it's advertised as it's, a dark, uh, it's a dark comedy on, uh, on the criteria when I was watching the thing, it was like drama, action, dark, com- not action, drama, something dark comedy. I've not seen that in anything. The wiki does not, it says a psychological science fiction. Um, but, uh, I mean, there is an element of like lightheartedness to it with the banter between the friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and like there's humor. There's definitely humor for sure. But I would. It's just a. It's like a well. It's well rounded. Um, for being such a uh, paranoid film, it's very much deals with drug culture. It very much deals with mental illness. Um, it. Uh, um, and that and those and like the police state. Um, and honestly, it's very it, thinking about it in 2006 in a post uh, Patriot Act 9/11 world. Um, there's a lot of people talking about police state stuff. Um, so it's kind of timely for then. It, it definitely has an aesthetic that is super duper uh, 2000s. But honestly, I do see it informing some of the 2010 sci-fi aesthetic as well. Like in the early parts, it reminds me of uh, video games. I've indie video games I've played in the 2010s. But it also reminds me a lot of indie, or not indie, but uh, video games I played in the 90s. Like weird sci-fi point-and-click adventure shit. Um, uh, it reminds me a lot, a lot of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, what's up? Yeah, this is, uh, I think this movie is just a, absolutely incredible and it is definitely in my top, uh, top 50 for sure. Top 20 maybe even, but it is, uh, I just, I've re I've really enjoyed rewatching this. Like I, there's so much of this. I just didn't realize or pick up when watching it as a high schooler. Um, and also, you know, just I was, you know, my I was at the edge of my seat watching the first Transformers movie in 08. So that let me put that in perspective. Uh, Jesus, but this movie was so good. That movie was uh, good though. I know you want to talk about it, but but I'm gonna just say that and let's keep going. Yeah, uh, this <laughs> I I think this movie is uh, beside from the the and I'm not gonna call it a gimmick because I do I think it is an actual like almost like its own character uh and that being like the rotoscoping cell shading um i think it's an essential part of the movie it's 100 percent. but the cast is so perfect in this and it's so small but everybody you don't get sick of anybody robert Downey jr this is like what the height of his like uh his, his druggy phase no this is um, the beginning of his comeback i would his, say his beginning of his comeback gotcha because he cut yeah iron man was 08 so he would have been shooting iron man like a year after this came out or or this year yeah they probably casted him knowing that he's a former heavy drug user uh, but he's so Winona is also a known drug user. Uh, Woody Harrelson is also a known drug user. There's definitely a reason why they casted it this way. And Keanu is just yeah. cool in, in yeah. every cool sci-fi. And like it's Neo, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Uh, Neo's <laughs> in all the late '90s, 2000s sci-fi du jour. Oh man! But the one thing I love the most about this is just, and I we talked about it before the podcast. This just feels so two thousands, like the way that the all the font and text is for everything, all the way that the the but camera aged. Like, I think stuff. it's an example no, of no. It aesthetically, and it's a good example yeah. of the two thousand of a two thousands aesthetic. But it's so much. Uh, I I I like blacked out like this era of filmmaking for a bit for some reason, like how the the mid two thousands was with stuff like. Um, because it just feels like looking back on a lot of that, like the especially the mainstream mid two thousand stuff. So you'd have like the Mission Impossible of this era, or like, um, fucking. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else uses like these kind of font stuff in it and this kind of shooting. I had a couple and I lost. Anyways, um, but it uh, this does it so much better. And I think I don't know if it's because of the the animation or or just the story that uh, is crafted in this, but it's just done so well. Um, 
and everything just feels like a trip. Like I watched this, uh, I smoked to watch this and had to pause it just because I kept getting like vertigo the way that the animation Wow, Jesus. Uh, the way that the animation, because anytime they walk, it's, you know, they're just drawing over it frame oh, by frame. Oh, yeah, yeah. More I, look. I, I, I got uh, that a little. I know what you mean. Shot. I know what you mean. And it like, it like fucked with me for a bit. Like I like, uh, and I thought I was like, because I was getting like the little vertigo, I thought I was weightless and then I had like a panic attack had to stop and then wow. give myself 10 minutes and then rewatch the movie but it was so it had me so engaged i was so into this yeah no you it's uh yeah i think that the animation style adds a layer of um like everything's kind of moving and you don't know sometimes it's anything and then other times it looks so fucking realistic and yeah so like there's this weird like uncanniness and your brain is trying to like orient some of these things and yeah it like can't um and it's super cool the way it feels it's very trip like um for those that have not engaged in uh psychedelics i know that there's a lot of people that are like uh there's a lot of media that has portrayed what psychedelics are like and it's like rainbows and mushrooms and and like the 60s you know the tie-dye and it's closer to probably this kind of feeling. Um, you can have a, like a more fun, positive experience for sure. But in terms of like the visual and like the uneasiness uh, of it all and like the unknown and I don't know. And like you can get paranoid and like this, it's kind of like a little bit of the negative, but they're also like having fun and, uh, and fucking around, horsing around a lot. Um mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of really is is uh, a good, uh, in, in interesting look at drug culture. So before we go in any deeper, uh, I wanted to ask if you're familiar with the author of the book, uh, Philip K. Dick. I've heard the name, but I don't. I don't know if it's because of this movie or what, but I've definitely heard the name before. You've definitely heard the name because he, Blade Runner is based ah. on, uh, uh, think of a, a short story or a story of his, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, he's also oh, wrote The Man in the High Castle, um, which oh, they, wow. there's a show based on. Um, but also he's known because he um, had a very uh, severe uh, mental illness. And also dealt, uh, dabbled with drugs and had drug addictions. Um, I believe he ended up, uh, I don't remember if he died or he ended up killing himself. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, he's a very, it's a very troubled story, an interesting story. And a lot of his um, paranoia and, um, and uh, his like mental health experiences definitely translate to his works. Um, yeah, I, I was watching a video on this and they were talking about Philip K. Dick that they didn't go into any of his previous shit. And so I didn't realize the Blade Runner and stuff, but they were he was talking about the inspiration for this uh, this book. And it was he was at a time when he just um, something about I think he like lost his wife or something. And then he just like let strangers literally how the movie is like, let strangers just live in his house, do drugs. And yeah, do shit, whatever. Yeah. To the very, point where. Yeah. Uh, he almost like he almost died from it and then just had like uh like a wake up moment or whatever but it's it's nuts uh well, he's 52 53 fun. when he died Damn. um oh he also did a minority report or minority report and total recall are also based on his works wow he's a legend yes he is he's probably one of the the main uh like he, like fathers of modern science fiction, like him along with like Frank Herbert and shit. Um, 
but yeah, so like, honestly, learning about Philip K. Dick very much informs uh, his work. Um, but I wanted to at least bring that up and 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 uh, and just say that people should look into that if they're really interested in this movie and the themes. Um, but yeah, so just a quick synopsis. Um, our protagonist is Keanu Reeves, and he plays a character named Bob Arctor. And but secretly in this world, the police are not the, like the undercover police. They wear these like stealth suits, I would call them, but they make you look like anybody. I thought that they were supposed to make you look look like specific people, but it seems like all they're supposed to do is make you look like nobody, and so no one can figure out who you are. And disguise, yeah. like the ultimate disguise, they're really mm-hmm. creepy. Um, and I really like they're constantly shifting like parts of your body, like, and uh, honestly, one of the coolest parts of, of like the art style of the movie is the the shifting suits. Um, and uh, but yeah, so his his name is Fred as he when he's a police officer, and none of the other police officers know his real identity. And they have him as an undercover cop. And it's weird because he gets assigned to monitor himself, uh, which is weird. Yeah. And you think you like you understand why. And they reveal it's like a you know red herring. that They're actually monitoring his roommate. Um, but it's like super paranoid, like in meta. And like he's doing drugs and he's watching himself as a cop doing drugs to catch himself in this conspiracy uh, or to like this big drug uh, dealing thing. And his girlfriend is supposedly this like uh, high up uh, whatever person uh, mm-hmm. for drug has connections to the substance D, uh, which is the name of the drug of the of the of the story. Uh, it just gets really like kind of starts spinning in on itself and you kind of lose track of everything, but it also like it gets clear and it's, I think we're meant to feel kind of how the protagonist feels. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed all that. Yeah. The, I love that they, the more and more they show the disconnect between like, uh, uh bob and fred essentially um and even one point whenever uh bob's going through his house talking about his like old family he calls himself mark which was weird uh there's just constant like the and then at the end of the film he goes by bruce so it's like all the weird shifting in identities uh and it's just all fucking with his brain on top of all the drugs and everything and and then the yeah everything being orchestrated i did not see coming this time uh I, it's just so good. It's uh, I, I would while you're re going to the plot, I just kept thinking like, man, this is kind of like an anime plot. Like, I could totally see this, uh, especially with like the thing called like substance D and all that stuff. Oh, um, oh well, because anime. This is something that I talk about with people. Anime. I think the reason why it's so popular with our generation, Americans and younger, is it's like our pulp uh, science fiction fantasy stories. Um, yeah. Like we don't really get those from our media here. So we seek them out from over there and it's very popular over there. Um, and if you understand the history of comics and like pulp uh, fiction, um, it, it like with the, we had the comics code and stuff, it kind of changed uh, the trajectory of that kind of those kinds of stories for us. And uh, so like stuff, it reminds me of like stuff like Steins Gate or, um, 
um, you know, like uh, just the over the top concepts of uh, like Tokyo Ghoul or Death Note or mm-hmm. or whatever, like these horror sci- like sci fi things. But you're exactly right, um, and I think uh, I think that's why I like this story so much. Is but because it, it's deep in its concepts, and but it's also like. Uh, it's visually stimulating, um, and the story. I think the story is the one thing that is maybe a little shallow, because it's a you know it's an old old sci-fi novel. Um, mm. it, that, but that's okay because it's more about the 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 concepts than like what the actual story is doing at the end of the day. Like I was mm. like there was a I think the twist is really cool, but the characters at their end of the day are pretty flat. Um, because it's just the nature of it being a genre thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't yeah, think that's I'm, a problem for me, but I think for some people that might be a problem. Yeah, I mean, like, the there's only four really main characters in this movie, four characters, really, in this movie, and two of them, you know, are one-dimensional druggies, but, like, that's that's they need to be. That's their place um for this to like but work because i'd be like yeah the, yeah and even barris is like, one dimensional too he, he, that's what he's i mean really that's what i'm talking about specifically like you're in like luckman and um i forget the name of the other guy the guy that ends the that's in the beginning oh the, the cockroach bugs. guy yeah cockroach rory guy like something. that's the actor rory, rory cochran yeah that's the actor yeah he's good he's actually in days to confuse he's the skinny guy with the long hair he looks so much different wow yeah uh, freck is his name freck yeah freck um, um, but yeah, but you like need those cause they're more setting pieces than they are characters. If that makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, it, but it's memory. really just, yeah. And this is really just like a, a Keanu Reeves and Hank occasionally is pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like until the end when there's the reveal. But, uh, I did like though, like the, like the little, the, the twist to end thing, uh, where it was all just like subliminal imprinting. Uh, and they had to like sacrifice a guy or like one of their own, essentially, if they were going to get anyone on the inside and like how fucked up that is. And, um, and the little pokes and prods at the convolutedness of law enforcement where like, even though it was intentional, but at the time in the movie, when you're watching it, when they're like, wait, wouldn't somebody hire, wouldn't you know if Bob Arctor was the undercover cop or not? And they're like, no, how would I know? I'm just your boss. And it's like, what, that doesn't make any sense in real, like, Things well, and that's what I was thinking too. Like this hyper surveillance state, um, everyone's everything's monitored from everybody, um, and uh, they don't know that he's a cop. I don't it, yeah. like. It, there's a hole in it, but I think it's supposed to be there. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, well, it makes sense at the end because Hank is Winona Ryder, so it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but yeah, at the, but up until that point though, it just feels like this movie's like intentionally poking holes at uh, the convolutedness of like law enforcement things and like big and, like Big Brother surveillance stuff, which I liked um, a lot. But the uh, the scene, the best parts of the movie though, are definitely just, in my opinion, like the scenes of just everybody in the in the house together. Uh, like the eighteen speed bike part is hilarious. Oh yeah, there's like those so fun, good. funny scenes, and uh, it's like at the end of the and, and honestly, it's a thing about drug culture as well because you know why is the law enforcement spending so much time to fight the substance D when at the end of the day it's just a bunch of goofballs sitting around having fun. But then it's yeah, like twenty percent right. of America is on so is hooked on substance D and 
it's like destroying the country and blah 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 and it's like it it does view the war on drugs as like is it even what's the point like if these people yeah. are choosing to do this um and then like but then and, like i don't know there's layers to unpack there with even when keanu um when bob chooses to give it up it's just because he finds out that it's permanently fucking his brain or whatever yeah. and um and like he like starts subscribing to the rehab weird slave rehab facility thing. Mm. Uh, oh, also uh, beyond the police state stuff and the drug culture stuff, there's definitely a critique on um, like the pharmaceutical industry or the therapy industry that like the new path thing is like the rehab facility medical thing, but they're mm. the ones who make substance D and sell it to people. And then they make money off of sending people to rehab. It's and it's like a loop, you know, um, yeah, which this would be good for a rewatch because Robert Downey Jr.'s character Barris uh, talks a, a lot in the first half of the movie to Freck about like, oh, this is all part of the new path. And like, you know, once you're on the new path, well, he keeps saying like, once you're on the new path or whatever, when he's he's, uh, he's telling Freck about like, what are the stages of being on substance D? Like, what's next? What part is next or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is all part of the new path. Uh, and then he and then Freck is like, keeps talking about like, how do I get on it or whatever. Um, and it makes sense because Barris is the one who's actually like high up the chain and new path is the, you know, it all makes, it all came full circle, which I, I thought was a nice little like foreshadowing and hint. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, man, yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is so good. I think definitely the the performance of the movie. And I've Mm -hmm. been friends with people like that where they are. They think that they're, or they are smart. Like they are just objectively smart, but they have like either mental illness or or character flaws that, like you know, they're still a piece of shit, just like the rest of the people around them, or not even mm. a piece of shit, but they're just like they're in a bad place. They've made bad choices, and they're no better than the people around them. But they act like they are because they're smart, and like no man, you you fucked up like the rest of us, and you're actually a huge fuck up idiot. Um, and, uh, but it's like, I just, I don't know. I've known people like that in my life. I've even probably been that guy at one point in my life. Um, that like, I don't know. There's just like this self-importance and like seeing everyone around you is inferior and the way you talk to them. And like, you're, but you're incredibly paranoid, but you're like fucking with your friends. Like you're like 10 step ahead, steps ahead of them. Like the whole, my God, the whole thing when they're coming back, uh, I forgot oh, the, the, car, the note on the door. Yeah, but the note on the door thing, the whole yeah. note on the door bit, uh, which is hilarious, um, and it's just like, well, <laughs> you know, I, uh, no one can tell the camera, with it. and it didn't even matter because his camera didn't work. His camera didn't record anything yeah. or whatever. But honestly, it might have because then we find out that Winona Ryder was the person that was in the house, and at first it was like, oh, it's just Donna. Oh, uh, yeah. it didn't matter. Like she was the one who got let in, and and she smoked a joint, so uh, it was all explained. And then, but then we find out that she's Hank at the end. So like she could have gone in and and deleted yeah, footage, the and they could have yeah. fucked with all this stuff, and it just like uh, gives some credence to the paranoia. But at this, uh, there's a lot of that, like questioning what's real and what's not real, and you're you're supposed to read it both ways because that's what a paranoid person would do. It's kind of conflict between reality and their perceived reality. Um, and like the, the drugs play into that. And uh, I don't know. I think it's super, super cool and relevant um, to, I think to today um, and just all about mental illness and drugs and 
uh, and the way the government treats drugs and police and policing um, and the police state um, and all that. I, I really, really enjoy this. And this, the art style holds up. The aesthetic mm-hmm. holds up. Um, it rem- like I said, it reminds me of playing a video game and it made me just like want to go play some weird out there sci-fi point and click adventure kind of thing. Um, cause it's what it feels like. It's a weird indie game. Um, but yeah, I just, these kind of movies just always inspire, like in it, whereas like everything everywhere all at once inspires me to be my, as much as myself and, and the creative, like creative, like wildness I want to do. But this also is inspiring to know that I can make something really cool with a handful of people in a room. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like these, you yeah. don't need big, mat, like Slacker is technically a big ensemble cast, but the, no character matters individually. In the movie it's just all. I was gonna say that. I feel like people. I think uh, not that I cut you off, uh, but uh, I I think about that with uh, this movie is just super inspiring to me in terms of like whatever like narratives and stuff like that but slacker is a movie that i think is inspiring if i wanted to be a filmmaker i would find slacker the most inspiring because i can see why it spawned a whole wave of indie shit because it seems like you could make this yourself all like you could that's what I said, like you could make slacker today you know with the shit you already probably own like, oh, easily. Like yeah. and like, it just be getting that many actors, and it's really if it succeeds or fails, it's up to your own talent and creativity to make something like mm-hmm. that. Like you, like I know that the those kind of movies aren't your kind of movie, um, but like, uh, I think it just shows that you don't need to be limited by like a, a grand genre film. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like you're limited, but like you don't have to wait to find the funding to make a big film if you want to make something good that you can with uh with nothing uh, not nothing but with your what you have already and i think that's yeah. interesting and that's how i feel about scanner darkly is because if you take away the rotoscoping this movie is four characters all um, it takes place essentially in two locations you can make this cheap easily and uh it wouldn't have the same impact cuz that art style but you could do this same concept though uh because like you like it's all about just well written, realistic. I feel like conversations between characters and like that. Yeah. Every conversation that these guys have in the house is so like I've I've had those exact same like in college and in living in Los Angeles or whatever. Just being in a room with a bunch of people high, just fucking rambling, and it's uh, uh it's just so real. And so he does so. This guy is so. Uh, I know that's his whole thing is is realism between like aging actors up and and whatever but everything is just his dialogue is so real um, yeah it's i think that too he's really good dialogue and it's a hallmark of a lot of these 90s filmmakers even kevin smith's probably the weakest of them um and he's he, at least in his prime is good at writing dialogue um between people even like tarantino is good at even though he's action oriented he's good at writing dialogue um yeah i think it is a hallmark of this wave um and uh and yeah i think you gotta be able to i think writing good dialogue can make any genre interesting and bring give it like more life and more energy than it just being you know a by the number genre film and even if the genre concepts are interesting that the dialogue isn't interesting so you're just like it's more about the beats the story beats and the visuals and whatever um i think marvel relies on making jokes to get through those periods 
Um, and yeah, the, like to fill the narrative void. But uh, I really, re- my favorite films, um, and like all these filmmakers I just mentioned, even fucking um, uh, Kevin Smith. Um, uh, I think I like them style, their style, that style when I was younger, and I still like these styles of these more matured guys. Um, or filmmakers, uh, because they the the dialogue gives so much life and style uh, mm-hmm. on top of the cinematography, on top of whatever. Um, I was gonna say that I guess people used to or still think that this is one of uh, his weaker films, um, and that like people think that genre films are not Linklater's strong suit. Um, that he's better at like slice of life, like real life mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like periods, obviously like seventies he did, but that was in early nineties. Um, uh, so what, like, what do you think about that? Like that some people think that, that his style was not a good fit for Scanner Darkly. Um, I, I, I disagree like personally. Is. Yeah. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be this. It wouldn't be it, which I wouldn't want any other version of. Does that make sense? Like maybe some people want it to be more serious. I haven't read the book to know if it's has this any silliness. Like the, I don't think it does, but I haven't read to know because um, that yeah, is a, a defining thing about this film is your the level of of fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the score of the movie is very silly at times. The way it does it, especially in the opening and when they're in the car, like racing down the road when the pedal breaks and stuff. Like the score of this movie definitely pulls away at times from the seriousness, but it also fits these characters, these like bumbling stooges, you know, when they're doing anything. Um, uh, and like the fight when they're like, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. is the hammer and, uh, Woody Harrelson's is at the rock and they're about to fight each other and shit. It's just everything is like, you know, it has that silliness, but at the same time, it's like, that's to me that screams real, uh, drugged out people. Cause that's what it's like. like well, like it's a slide. That's what I was going to say too. It's a sliding, you know, it's a gradient. It's a spectrum from like fun and silly to like dark paranoid, uh, like, uh, like dark feelings, anxiety, um, like those are, those are kind of like the, the thing when you are high and you're happy, you're having fun with your buds. And when yeah. you are not, you are paranoid, you are fighting, you're irritable, you're anxious. And like, even when you're on, like there's just, you're a, a lot of, there's a lot of emotions involved, uh, and being in, uh, being addicted to something and being around uh, a bunch of people that are all addicted to a thing. Um, and uh, this movie, I think, definitely portrays it well. And, like, the cast is part of that. Um, like, well, Nona Ryder and Keanu Reeves aren't, like, the best actors, but I think they're they're perfect for for these roles. And I, the they whole have great cast chemistry is perfect. together in this. Yeah, they do. Um, Weren't they dating at this time? Or uh, around? Were they, they date in the 90s or something? I think that maybe in the 90s, yeah. Um, they, they both are in that, um, which I would love to watch is um Bram Stoker's Dracula. Isn't that the one the uh the Francis Ford Coppola one? Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, wanna do that. Um but I feel like we gotta do like fucking Godfather first. Um but uh but alright Godfather uh, part one. Do you have anything that you want to Oh there's one thing I wanted to touch on before I wrap up is Alex Jones is in this film. Yeah, what a trip. And he plays 
himself, essentially. He has a megaphone, he's on the side of the road, and he's screaming about conspiracies. But this is a real, like, conspiracy world. So a van of, of you know, uh, an unmarked van rolls up with guns and kidnaps him and uh, takes him away. And I've looked into this when I watched this, when I, when I was looking into this movie before, but I didn't look into it before, like, recently. But from what I know is that Richard Linklater was asked about it, and they said that they, like, found him. Be Like, I don't know if it was through casting or whatever. And, like, they asked him to just, you know, go do his thing, like, go crazy and uh, and just say start saying stuff. And... Um, and they did, and they, he did it for the movie, and they didn't know anything about him. And apparently, like, after the film, he just leaned in harder to being this conspiracy guy. And, like, oh, wow. it, him actually being in a mo- the movie for it just kind of, like, gave him some, uh, like, like credibility, I guess. And he just, like, that, it, the, he's just been riding that performance ever since, like, to, That's to wild. money and losing his kids. Yeah, because I was gonna, I was wondering if this was like, was he already an entity at this point, or is this like pre? No, pre Info Wars. Wow. Oh, let me let me find let me see what Wikipedia says about Info Wars. Oh no no! All right, so it was founded in 1999. The site. Um. So it was around. Let me see, but yeah, I don't know if you want to give your final thoughts while I, and I'll do a quick dig here. Yeah, um, final thoughts is just uh, I don't know. This is a really fun, weird movie. Uh, just if you're if you are the kind of person that uh, not motion sick, but just like if a constantly wiggling and moving screen is a uh, affects you at all, like this is a this is that the entire movie. The art style, um, I love, but you might have to take a little bit to sink into because it's not. It, while it looks like animation, it flows like proper twenty-four frames per second, so it doesn't have that choppiness that normal animation has, which I mm. love about this. Um, but it's uh, it's just super fun. I saw. I know it's not meant to be entirely a fun movie, but it is a very fun movie, and it is a good. Uh, I I still would say this is a dark comedy. Uh, psycho was it mixed in with his like psychological? Uh, but it, it gave it. I I give. I honestly love this. I'm torn between somewhere like a four and a four and a half, to be honest. So okay, I found an interview, uh, from the Daily Beast from 2018 with Richard Linklater, and he recalled the time where Jones' wacky radio show was a favorite among stoners and the pop culture culturally curious in the 90s. Uh, and Linklater cast him in films Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly. Uh, he was this hyper guy that we'd all kind of make fun of, Linklater recalled. I just thought he was kind of funny. Um, politi- uh, I talked to him a bit during the Bush-Cheney years. He always positioned himself as anti. So when you're anti, he's your bedfellow. He said, I was surprised to see him uh, position himself as a defender of a regime. He's a bomb lobber. He's a blow shit upper from the outside. Hmm. Um... I would never thought I'd see the day when the president of the United States knew who he was, much less going on his show. It's crazy. It's insane, but it fits our times. That's that's wild. Yeah. It kind of like made him bigger somehow. Apparently he did like his shtick on radio and then he moved to the, then he had the website and then he moved to YouTube. I think started just becoming a thing after 2006. 
Um, yeah, so. I started getting on YouTube when I was in eighth grade. So I would have been 14. So yeah, that would have been 06. Yeah, I, was, I feel like I was six because then I was, uh, that's just a lot of the early viral videos I remember, like 05, 06, 07. Um, all right. I, so you gave it a what, a four, four and a half? I'm torn. I'm, I'm torn because I did like this more than Slacker, but Slacker, I get, I get what it is for the, for, for, for and what it's done. So I'm like, ah, I don't know. I, th- I, I, I think I like these on a similar level. I, this, the art style for me is what takes it up. Um, mm. but I think I, I gave it a four and I think I'm probably going to stick to a four. I think it's a four as well, but I think I like Scanner Darkly better. I mean, it has more like more moving parts going on versus the other, but the other is also like, um, you know, it 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 was meant to be what it was meant to be. So it's, a, it's as an art piece. It's yeah. slacker. I so as entertainment, I totally understand that Scanner Darkly is as much better. But I think as an, a piece of art, I think they're both really special. I think especially considering yeah. the budget. Um, of slacker and what how powerful it is for what little it is. Whereas Scanner Darkly is has a lot more going on. Um, and maybe as a film is small, but but the budget and the animation make it feel big. And uh, but it's still fantastic. Um, I I probably am underrating it. It just seems like everybody underrates this film, um, which mm-hmm. I don't understand why really. But uh, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm giving it a four as well. Yeah, I encourage more people to watch this. It's uh, I think it should it should be seen, and it uh, honestly, it uh, probably would inspire a lot of newer wave things if more things like this were seen and made. Like I don't know, it's just something about it. Like this kind of thing is lacking currently in creation. The the kind of film it is, and and how it looks and feels and everything. Um, and it's uh, it'd be a good return to two great two thousands filmmaking. <laughs> I want to see right this Waking with... Life movie that he that Richard Linklater made in 2001, and it's also animated. Huh. I'm going to have to look into that. But, uh, all right, all mm. right, well, we can wrap it up here. Um, so next time, I don't know what you would like to do. Boy, I've got, I'm thinking about Noah Baumbach after, uh, after watching this, but if you have any... Any requests or suggestions? I'd oh, be happy to we had something picked. We had something picked out to oh, do. Oh, Cron- Cronenberg. Cronenberg. That was it. The new, yeah, the new Cronenberg movies out. Right. Which it's I thought not, that guy was I think dead it's to be already honest. missing. I think it's already left theaters. Um, hmm. But we'll figure that out. Um, so we'll do the new one, which uh, I've heard mixed things about. Um, and then we were going to do the fly, since neither of us seen that. I've seen that. We've seen the. I've seen a lot of his weirder ones, but I've not seen that one, which is his most critically acclaimed. Um, so Jeez, how did he make a new movie? He is seventy nine years old. I mean, Scorsese's still making movies. Yeah, that's true. This is wild. Making good ones too. Yeah. Um, Crimes of the Future. That's what it's called. Yeah, I remember like the the um, the marketing stuff was like this movie made everyone walk out. Wow. All right, it's still the, in theaters. Um, it, yeah, it's playing at the waterfront. That's about the only place. Wow, Thursday though, it's gone from everywhere. Wow. So uh, if I'm gonna see it, we we might be fucked on this one. But if we do, we'll just change it to something else, and then we can 
we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do an addendum or something later. Yeah, I mean, I'm, well, I, I mean, we'll change it. We'll just do a different Cronenberg movie, and then we'll we can talk about this like in a little small snippet in a future episode. We'll figure yeah. it out. But we're gonna do Cronenberg. We're at least doing the fly, and we're gonna try to do Crimes of the Future. Cool. All right. Well, I'll see you next week. Make sure you uh, like and follow us on all the things. Comment on all the things. It helps us out. Um, we are on all your streaming services with the video versions on YouTube. You can follow me at Slob Thomas. You can follow him at Corey with a story with a K. You got anything else? My headphones really died, but if you hear me, thanks for coming. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Woo.